Good evening. Hey, it's great to be here. I was supposed to be here last week. We probably could have made it last week, okay, but I was going to be speaking in Perrysburg in the morning, and we're, that one's out in the sticks, and we're a little nervous about that one, so we decided to reschedule, and I was going to be at Evangelical Baptist this morning, so we thought it would be just as easy to come make one trip instead of two. We live in Rochester, New York, so we're a little farther than Batavia, brother, but uh, it is interesting. A lot of hymns, if you study the history of hymns, a lot of hymns were were written at, uh, down by uh, Cassidy, or not, um, uh, the Bible Conference down in, yeah, Chautauqua, Chautauqua, that's what I was thinking of. I'm old now, I'm forgetful. Yeah. You know, this is, it, it, the great thing about being 70, first of all, I'm surprised I'm that old, that it, it came out as kind of a surprise. I said that at, last year when I was 75 at a church, and a guy said, well, it took you 75 years to get that old, so... I guess that's true, so that is the way it works, but uh, it's good. This is my birthday shirt for my wife. My, she, Barb thinks I, I dress a little too conservatively, and so she thought she'd brighten up my life a little bit. And so Barb and I have been married 53 years. God's been good to us. It'll be 54 years in uh, June. Seems impossible. She's still my favorite wife. I tell her that every once in a while, and we're very thankful for what God has done in our life. We have four kids. They're all grown and all serving the Lord. We have 12 grandchildren, all of them have professed Christ. We have one that's wayward that you might pray for. That's our oldest. Uh, we have not had any contact with him. Anybody in the family has had any contact with him for several years now. So we're not even sure he's still alive, but uh, we pray for him every day. The others, though, all profess Christ. Our daughter, Wendy, is home on furlough right now from Peru. And we were able to spend Christmas. We had all four kids together, nine of the grands, nine of the 12 grandkids. The married grandkids, uh, we have two of them that are married, and uh, we're kind of waiting to become, Barb's anxious to be a great-grandparent. I am not, but she is anxious for that to happen, and uh, she keeps telling them, you know, come on, let's get with the program here. My uh, grand, uh, my second, I don't know, age-wise, I'll get them all mixed up, but my grandson, Luke Kim, my daughter Kim's second son. Uh, is graduating from seminary in May, so we're looking forward to going and seeing him graduate f- from uh, seminary. He, we had to miss his marriage or his wedding because of COVID. That was when he got married, and we we missed his college graduation. He graduated the same same period of time, and uh, so we're looking forward to May going down and, and seeing him in, down in Texas. That's where they live. I'm going to give you a little report on the ministry. I'm going to have to step aside a little bit if they got that up. I'm not going to give you this message tonight. I changed my mind. That's one of the things about being a Baptist preacher. You get to do that once in a while. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in our ministry. And they said this works great. They did tell me, whoops, it wasn't quite on, I don't think. It's still not working great. Whoops, I I hit the wrong button. Maybe, or did you hit it for me up there? What? You got it? Okay. Well, here we are. This is for 2023. This is what happened last year. Go ahead to the next slide. If this one's not working, or is it? This is uh, one of the things I do is I work, I represent the New York Association of Christian Schools in the uh, New York State Education Commissioner's Advisory Council. That involves now one meeting a month by Zoom, via Zoom, then a change of personnel at the State Department, uh, different commissioner than this commissioner. She was, was the one who appointed me. Uh, the big issue has been substantial equivalency. New York state law, you have laws 
and then you have regulations, and then you have guidelines. Laws are passed by the legislature, voted, signed by the governor, uh, usually have penalties associated with them. Regulations are written by bureaucrats who decide how this law is going to be fulfilled, and then guidelines are further explanation on how you're going to do things. So beginning in 2015, they started working on these rules. Substantial equivalency has to do with the law. New York State says every child 6 to 16 will receive a substantially equivalent education. That's the phrase, substantially equivalent. It's not defined real clearly, but it is assumed that the school or homeschool will teach basic subjects, reading, writing, etc., math, science, English, etc. In 2015, they said they, decide, they decided to rewrite the rules. They've been working on this for some time. My concern was they would throw in things like critical race theory, requiring some of that, or some of the uh, LGBTQ nonsense, some of those kinds of things. We were able to watch that. That did not happen. Um, one of the things that happened is schools are all going to be re, uh, re-examined by their local school authority, all private schools, including Christian schools, and they're going to have to demonstrate that they are offering a substantially equivalent education. How do you do that? Well, they came up with several pathways. I suggested using the achievement test, such as the Iowa assessments. The state ed bought it. That has been passed, and that's part of what can be done. So that should mean none of our Christian schools should have any difficulty in the coming year. But it is still, you know, I'm still there to make sure that things don't change, and they could. Our main ministry is called Arise Ministry, and uh, we're very thankful for the privilege of serving in this capacity. What do we do? Well, basically, go ahead to the next one. These are the, this is the purpose statement, evangelism, education, encouragement, entreaty, which is the ministry of prayer, and then engagement, encouraging Christians to get engaged in the culture. I think part of the reason we have a problem in America is because Christians have been disengaged, and we need to get involved. We need to make a difference, and we can. Your pastor is one of the board members on our RISE board. We're thankful for him, and he does a great job. Thank for him. We preach in churches. Last year, I preached in over 60 churches around New York State. I did one men's retreat, um, as well as one church uh, out of state in the state of Michigan. I speak in mission conferences, pastors' fellowships, etc. Going to the next slide. We publish materials. There are now 30 uh, pamphlets. The series is called The Truth About. And some have asked, what's new? Questions come up, and when they come up, that's when I usually get in the mood. Barb has said, I've got to stop writing because the suitcase is getting too full and too heavy to pick up. So uh, that won't happen. But the um, uh, women pastors, who would have thought that would be an issue? But it's become an issue in some churches, even what's supposedly Bible-believing churches. Um, There's one on artificial intelligence. Elon Musk and uh, Steve Wozniak testified before Congress, and these guys are on the edge, developing edge of artificial intelligence, and they're scared. And they're asking the government to help regulate it. Uh, so I think you'll find that interesting. I think that it fits into Bible prophecy, but you're going to have to read it to find out why. Um, I got rest about being old, and so I wrote one about old age. Uh, the truth about old age. You know, it's a privilege denied a lot of people. And there are difficulties that are associated with it. There are problems, but there is a purpose. God has a purpose for those of us in older age. 
Uh, Brother Art, aren't you glad for that? You might want to pick that up. No. <laughs> we were talking earlier. How did it happen that we got this old? You know, we're just young. I, I was thinking the other day, it's the 60th anniversary of my 16th birthday. <laughs> you know, and then Barb and I were talking. We've been dating. Uh, we still date once a week. We've been dating for over 60 years. That's a long time. <laughs> anyway, God's been good to us. We're thankful. In addition to that, uh, we do a newsletter each week. Some of you already get it. Uh, it's called Arise. I take one, one issue and try to give a biblical perspective of it, give a little update what's going on in the state, what's going on in the federal government, and then a little brief about our ministry. The last year, I started adding liberal logic question mark because there's so many nutty things they do and say that, you know, like global warming. You know, that's the biggest nonsense in the world, and yet it's driving the agenda both in Washington and in Albany. Um, What would happen if it got... The UN report two years ago said if we continue in the pathway we're on, the temperature's going to go up on average two and a half degrees a day by the end of the century. End of the century. Now, it is Celsius, which is a little more than just Fahrenheit. However, what would we do if it got two degrees warmer every day? Well, up here, we'd enjoy it. It would mean a longer uh, growing season, which would mean more food. So it's not really, you know, what if it gets warmer? Well, you don't have to spend as much money heating your home. <laughs> you know, what if it gets colder? Because they were warning about that in the 70s. We put on more clothes. You know, we can adjust. You know, it's just the craziness. It's the chicken little of our day. Anyway, uh, that aside, there's, those brochures are free. The newsletter is free. But if you sign up, be sure you write very clearly. Daryl Zigafoos is 84. He helps me with it. If you sign up, it'll come from Daryl. Daryl, uh, I write it, send it to him. He corrects it to make sure I didn't make any mistakes in spelling or whatever, or missing words. I send it, he sends it back to me. I write a cover letter and send it back to him, and then he forwards it to all the people that get it. He's the one that takes all the names and makes sure we get them. We have over 1,000 people receiving it now across New York State, so we're thankful for that. All right, go to the next slide, if you would. We partner with pastors. Go to the next one. That's a fellowship up in northern New York. Uh, During the last two years, I've been mentoring two young men. They were preparing for a nation, and they called me one day and said, uh, could we talk to you? And they had some questions about some things, and they said, would you mind mentoring us? And so we we generally try to meet once a week, depending on my schedule, their schedule. We don't have been meeting too much lately, but... These are the two men, John and Eric, and both of them are great guys doing well. Eric's been just named the lead pastor in his church. Go ahead to the next slide. Last year, we were involved with Dick Brasser. Dick was one of the pastors in our state, Palmyra Bible Baptist Church. Dick became very ill about October of the preceding year, was in the hospital from that time until his home going in February. He asked if I would help him. I went to see him like a pastor would, once a week at least. I went to see him, pray with him, try to encourage him. He asked if I had help find speakers for his church, so I helped schedule speakers for the year. And then when he died, I had his funeral. We found out his wife, uh, he really didn't have any health, health, didn't have any uh, insurance, life insurance. 
and he had bills that were left, and so we were able to raise $10,000 to help cover the expense, get the wife established, and she's doing well. We're thankful for that privilege. Go ahead to the next slide. Barbara and I believe in our local church, so we're very involved in our church. We're not there on Sunday. pastor says, I'm one of the best members. I send in my tithe, <laughs> and uh, we do give by line, over line, so it's automatic. But uh, we also serve leading the senior saints. We call them silver saints. We have a luncheon once a month. Uh, Barb comes up, Barb and I come up with a theme. We do something a little different, have a good time together with them. And we've been running over 30 this year, so God's been blessing that ministry. And then in addition to that, Barb, go ahead to the next slide. Uh, ministers in our local church through teaching Awana. Barb taught for almost 39 years. Misses that, and they asked if she would be a substitute in Awana. And before she knew it, she was the main uh, teacher, and she's been doing that. And then she also teaches a ladies' Bible study. Now, teaching kids is her, her comfort zone. Teaching ladies is not. She works very hard at it, and uh, we're thankful. I think she preaches my message is what I think she does, but I'm not sure on that. Anyway, she does a good job. And people asked, what are your plans? Well, my plans are what they've always been. At the end of life, I want to be able to say I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. All right, now I'm not going to preach the message that was there, but I do need to give a little update on what's going on in the state. New York State is a mess. The country's a mess. It seems to me that America is falling apart. Um, and the world's falling apart. It just, that's the way it seems. We're just seeing crazy things happen. The border crisis has gotten much worse. 300,000 illegals were apprehended at the border last month, the month of December. Um, we don't know how many gotaways. Those are people that got around the fence somehow and were not apprehended at all. It's now estimated over 6 million illegal immigrants are living in the United States since Biden became president. And it's estimated there may be as many as 3 million others that were gotaways. We don't know who these people are. We don't know where they are. They're being apprehended. They're taking down their information. They're giving them a card, telling them to report uh, for hearing on their asylum request. The dates being given right now are 2035. So figure the math. You're to appear in court. Where do they go otherwise? Well, the media would have you believe that Governor Abbott's a villain and DeSantis is a villain because they're shipping all those people in New York City. Mayor Adams is crying about the cost, and it is costly. It's over 100,000 illegals in New York City right now. They're putting them up in hotels. They're feeding them. Uh, but Sean Hannity the other day said that about 85% of them are people that came from the Biden administration not Texas or Florida's governors. So the media is not telling you the truth about some of this. The border crisis is heated up this week. If you've been following the news, uh, Governor Abbott uh, called out his military. Texas has a military, not just a National Guard. And he told them to lay out laser wire. The Biden administration wanted it torn down. Uh, said he, Governor Abbott said, we're not going to do it. So they went to court. Supreme Court ruled against the governor. There was an injunction for them to tear it down. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, said, you got to tear it down. 
Governor Abbott says, we're not going to do it. Now, if you know history, Texas history, the attitude in Texas was when, in the Mexican Revolution, come and take it. And that's what's happening right now. 25 Republican governors have pledged support for Texas and Governor Abbott. So the country is about as divided on this as possible. Meanwhile, Democrats are upset because it's costing so much money. There's over $2.8 million in the new New York State budget to take care of the cost. Now, what are the costs? Well, they're putting them up in motels. They're taking over whole motels. Uh, there's one at the airport, Buffalo Airport, that's completely filled with illegals. They have the same thing in other places all over the state of New York. The contract for feeding them, because we have to feed them, is $100 per day per immigrant. Now, you could eat pretty good for 100 bucks a day. <laughs> Somebody's making a lot of money on this. So why isn't stopping? Well, because... You know, they want it this way. They want it to happen. So that's what's happening. The election this fall will be one of the most important in our history. Now, it seems to me every presidential election we say that. So I know you've heard it before. But I'm concerned that we may be crossing the point of no return. Um, in New York, there is a constitutional amendment that has passed the legislature and now will be voted on by the people that would put in the Constitution, a woman has a right to determine the outcome of her pregnancy with no restrictions. That means right up to the moment of birth. It is um, it's an abomination, uh, killing the unborn. Now, the legislature this week passed a package of bills on Tuesday and Wednesday. Planned Parenthood had their annual conference at, in Albany, they, they come in their lobbying day, and Governor Hochul pledged to do everything she could to get this bill passed. Democrats have become the party now of abortion. Make no mistake, that's what they are. Um, it's, if you were a Democrat, it's not the party of your grandparents. It's a different party, and it's the party of death. At the same time, they passed a, a, several bills that would make it easier to get birth control and other things, it also did do some good things, but they said, we need, to, we need to protect women's right to choose. So that in one hand, they're saying, we're going to save babies. and the other hand, we're going to kill babies. Uh, so it's a crazy thing. The other side has pledged over $20 million to get that bill passed. And Democrats are counting on that to get them back into office. Right now, our legislature is two-to-one Democrats. They're divided between liberals and more liberals, progressives, they call themselves. Um, it's a divided, you know, and they're fighting with each other, so that's a good thing, but uh, house divided cannot stand, and so that's a good thing. That's what's happening. All right, um, presidential election is very important. Uh, President Trump won the primary in New Hampshire. Uh, Nikki Haley got about, whatever it was, 20-some percent. Uh, DeSantis has now dropped out, so basically it's down to the two candidates on the Republican side. President Biden was not in the primary officially. His campaign chose not to skip it, actually. But there were Democrats that were concerned it would look bad if somebody else won, so they put in a running campaign. He got about 55% of the vote and was declared the winner. It was not sanctioned by the Democratic National Party, so there are no delegates involved. 
The next big one, there's one in Nevada, but the next big one, South Carolina, and that will probably determine who the presidential candidates will be. There's more talk of third parties. We've always had third parties. In New York, we have multiple parties. A person can register to run as a candidate on more than one party. So we've always had, it's different than anywhere in the country. You can be a Republican and conservative and you know something else. Um, but there's talk of uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., who is a liberal, classic liberal, disagrees strongly with the administration. He is running as an independent. There's talk of the No Labels Party. Uh, they don't have a label, but they're organizing. They're trying to get on the ballot. The big challenge for them is to get on the ballot. Usually what happens is the third party becomes a spoiler. A libertarian party is talking to Robert Kennedy now about being their candidate, which is an interesting turn of events. We'll see what happens there. So that's, that's kind of what's going on. Uh, it is a challenging time. And I think, you know, worldwide, man, we're in a mess. Uh, China is making aggressive moves. Do not, they don't seem to be afraid of the United States. Uh, the war in, in Israel, there's a brochure on Israel that uh, you might want to pick up that talks about some of what's going on there. Um, well, you, you know the news. The war in Ukraine with Russia still going on. North Korea is developing nuclear weapons. Iran's developing nuclear weapons. It's become a dangerous place. A dangerous place. That's, uh, I'll give you one verse on this part. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And I think I, I came across this in my devotions some time ago, and I thought, this fits. This is why we're in trouble. Proverbs 21, verse 29. For they hated knowledge... It did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearketh unto me shall dwell in safety and they shall be quiet from the fear of evil. That's a great promise in verse 33. As the world falls apart, we can have trust in our God to take care of us. He says, whosoever hearkeneth unto me shall dwell in safety and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. But America's in trouble because we're ignoring God. Well, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about life tonight. You know, life can be dull. Uh, we have our own routine. Each of us have our own routine each day. Uh, it's basically the same for me. I get up very early in the morning. I have devotions. I fix my coffee. I, you know, I watch the news. I get to shower, have breakfast, all of those kind of things. I work in the office till noon. Barb calls me about noon, says it's lunchtime. I go home, have lunch, take a little siesta sometimes. Then I'm Go back to the office, work some more. Night comes, she calls me for supper. I go have supper, and then I watch some news again, watch a little TV, maybe do some reading, go to bed. Next day, start over the same thing. And that's pretty much Monday through Friday. Saturday's different. I take her out for breakfast. That's our weekly date, and we have a good time together. 
we enjoy each other's company, and yet, even though we're empty nesters, it's still nice to just go someplace and sit down and, and talk together and review the week and what's going on. But life can be pretty routine. You have your routine. You get up in the morning, you do shower, have breakfast, go to work, come home afterwards, have supper, do about the same thing I do. So life can be kind of, kind of dull. And then there's all the decisions you have to make in life. When you're a teenager, you have to decide whether you're going to go to college or get a skill or go to the service, join the military. You have to decide about dating and yes to a date or no to a date. You have to decide about college, you know, if, where you're going to go, and what you're going to start, what you're going to make of yourself. Kid, this is senior. What do you ask them? What are you going to do with your life? What do you want to be? Uh, we have all these decisions, and we don't always know what to do. As you get older, life's still filled with decisions. You have to buy a home or sell a home. You have to buy a car or sell a car. Do you keep it one more year or do you let it try to keep it going? What do you do with all those things? And it kind of continues through life, all kinds of decisions. And then there's dimensions of life. As you get older, you begin to realize, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. There's going to come a day where I'm going to die. It's not, you know, I just, couldn't help thinking 76 the other day. How many years have I got? My sister called me and said, you know you're closer to 80 than you are 70? <laughs> One of my college friends put on Facebook, isn't it great to know God can still use us old guys? <laughs> you know, I was at a meeting in, uh, in the council, advisory council in the Department of Education and some of the people couldn't make it, so they were on Zoom and a camera, and they were, the camera was moving around looking at us. And, on the, and there was a guy, I looked up, and there's a guy with white hair. And I said, boy, I don't, I don't, I don't see him. Where, where's he? And it took me a little while to realize, that's me, that old guy. You know, it kind of comes as a shock. But there is this reality. It's the point that a man wants to die. You know, the day's going to come. It's going to happen. And then there's, well, there's difficulties in life as well. Life can be tough. You know, there's things that happen that you didn't plan for. The car that breaks down. The, the doctor visit. That I, I went to the doctor for my annual physical last month. And I said, Doc, I'm having trouble with my thumb. It's, it's really... Uh, hurt some of the time. I said, I, I wonder if I have arthritis. He said, well, it's going to get worse. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear. Okay. My doctor's a Christian, by the way, and it's a wonderful privilege to have him as a friend as well as a Christian. He, he's the only doctor I ever had that prays for me when he gets done. And he prays not only for my, my uh, health, but he prays for my ministry, my marriage, yeah, it's, always, it's a great thing. And he, he gets the newsletter once in a while. He'll put something, send an email. That was a good article or that really made me think or something. It's always an encouragement. Then there are disappointments in life. You didn't get the promotion that you wanted. The job interview didn't go well. Um, the doctor visit, you had news that you didn't want to hear. And life can, be, life can be tough. It just can. 
Turn your Bible to the book of Isaiah. We usually think of this verse at Christmas time, but I just God laid it on my heart to share with you tonight. What I just described to you is life under the sun. That's the theme in Ecclesiastes, as the author talks about life under the sun and says, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. It's just empty, apart from God. Life under the sun means life without God. But notice in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government there shall be no and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice. From henceforth, forever, forever, the zeal of the Lord shall perform this. You know, you don't have to wait till you read the last chapter of this book to find out it turned well. The story is, we're promised throughout the Bible that God is eventually going to reign on the earth and establish his kingdom. Now, the names of Christ, first of all, in verse 6, it begins by saying, Under us a child is born, a son is given. In order for Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Redeemer, he had to be a human being. He had to be a child. But to pay the price for all of us, he had to be God. And that was accomplished through the virgin birth. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, A virgin shall conceive, this shall be a sign unto you, a virgin shall conceive and have a child, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted as God with us. Now here in chapter 6, he gives us some names of Jesus. And those are the answers to the problems I presented of talking about life. What about the dullness of life? Well, his name shall be called Wonderful. When you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, life is wonderful. Some people wake up saying, good Lord, morning. Other people wake up and say, good morning, Lord. It's all a matter of perspective. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Life with the Lord is an adventure. You don't know what God's going to do today. We don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. We wake up in the morning, Lord, is there somebody that's going to come into my life that I can talk to about Christ? Is somebody going to cross my path? I can hand them a track and their life could be changed forever. Is there someone I can be Jesus to this day, that I can present the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm your ambassador. I'm going to share Christ. I never know what's going to happen on a phone call. Pastors, principals will call with questions, and sometimes it's just they need somebody to talk to, and sometimes they need advice. Life is an adventure. It's wonderful. Now, we could camp on that word a long time. Because Jesus Christ is wonderful in his birth. What a story. We celebrated Christmas a month ago, and what a story that is. Now, if you were God, would you have your son born in a stable and laid in a manger? Instead of a hospital or a palace somewhere? Uh, No, this is the way it's going to be. The miracle of the virgin birth. It takes a man and a woman to have a child, no matter what the transgender people are saying today. You know, look it up sometime. Can a man have a baby? And the answer you'll get most of the time on the internet is yes. No, they can't. Takes a man and a woman. Well, not unless God's in it. God 
It never happened before, it never will happen again. A virgin gave birth to a child. What an amazing miracle. And then God had announced to shepherds, not to kings. There's a dumb song at Christmas time that every time I hear it, it cringes. I cringe when, you know, have you heard this? Do you hear what I hear? You know, said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? And he says it to someone else, and then it finally guns up. And the mighty king said to the people everywhere, that's not what happened. That isn't what happened at all. The other one that irritates me, if you've been a parent and have a baby and it's sleeping, what is the last thing you want is a gift, a drummer playing a drum for you. <laughs> Who writes this stuff? Huh? But there's some wonderful song, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Well, the earth didn't receive their king, did they? Oh, but he's wonderful. He's wonderful in his birth. Wonderful in his life. Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. What an amazing statement that is. Here's the Son of God, God incarnate. He's God with us. But as a baby, he had to grow. He had to learn. He had to learn how to talk. Away in a manger, you know. No crying he makes. That's not true. There's no evidence that he didn't cry. He had no other way of telling his mother he was hungry. He was limited. He limited himself as a human being. And so the creator who made it, the world was hungry. He got thirsty. He felt pain. It was wonderful in his life. At the end of life, his judge said to the people, I find no fault in this man. His executioner said, truly this was a righteous person. One of the gospel writers says, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Judas the betrayer said, I have betrayed innocent blood. It was wonderful in his life. When they sent soldiers from the temple to arrest him, they came back empty handed and they said, where is is he? And they said, never a man taught like this man. He was wonderful in his teaching. He said, he's not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches with authority. Boy, wouldn't you love to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary and just learn of him? Oh, man, someday we're going to do that. Well, he's wonderful, wonderful in his death. He could have called 10,000 angels. And yet on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In agony, the thief on the cross said to him, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. They actually didn't kill Jesus on the cross. He gave up the ghost. There's a hymn that says his blood was spilt. His blood was not spilt. It was poured out for us. He willingly died on the cross for you and for me. Now, to be our redeemer, I mentioned he had to be related to us. He had to be a human being. Secondly, he had to be able to pay the price. He could do that as God. But he also had to be willing. We see that in the story of redemption in the book of Ruth. There was a kinsman that could have redeemed Naomi's family, but 
Instead, he wasn't willing. Moaz was both uh, related, qualified, he was, he was able, and he was willing. Well, wonderful in his resurrection. He didn't stay dead. The soldiers are placed out in front. Can you imagine them trying to explain an earthquake and their stone rolled away? And apparently he rose from the dead. They must have been terrified. The angel said to the women who were searching for, why seek ye the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's risen even as he said. One of the greatest moments of my life in 1970 in Israel, I visited the garden tomb and at that time, you could walk right in. I think it's the real one. I don't have time to explain that, but walk right in. And as you came out in the sunlight, a beautiful day that day, I could almost hear the angel say, he is risen, even as he said. We serve a risen Savior. Wonderful in his ascension, demonstrating his power and authority over death and the devil. He rose, and the promise is he's coming again. He'll be wonderful in his return. Well, our Savior is wonderful. And then what about the decisions of life? Well, he's the counselor. The verse could be understood or translated as though he's the wonder, his name is the wonderful counselor rather than being separate. He's the wonderful mighty God. He's the wonderful everlasting father, etc. We're just thinking about him being a wonderful counselor. I don't always know what to do. That's okay. He says, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. In Psalm 32, don't be like the horse and the mule that hath no understanding, whose mouth must be held with a bit and a bridle. And God says, I'll show you in the way you should go. So when you're making those tough decisions, listen to your counselor. Listen to the one who can tell you what to do. What decisions are the right decision? Let the peace of God abide in your heart. Along those lines, if you're married, listen to your spouse. You men especially need to listen to your wife when you're making decisions. You need to be the decision maker. I understand that. But your wife may have insights that you don't have. I can tell you, I won't, of mistakes I've made along the way where I didn't listen to my wife. She can probably list more than I can. In any event, we have a counselor who said he would guide us. And when you make a decision, if it's the right decision, you'll have the peace in your heart. If there's no peace, then wait till you have peace. Or realize it may not be God's will for your life. What about the dimensions of life? He's the everlasting father. That means I'm going to live with him forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't have to fear death. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of eternity. I've been reminiscing about friends that have gone on to be with the Lord. As you get older, more and more of those friends pass off the scene. In the last few years, it seems like I've had a bunch of them. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? I'm going to see them again. Because they knew the Lord. I think about uh, Pastor Jeff Carpenter, for instance. He was an outdoorsman, a hunter. Do they have hunting in heaven? Do they fish? Boy, I hope so. I'd like to do that with him. I'd I'd like to just sit down. Uh, And then, you know, I'd, I'd... 
I've kind of made a list. When I've talked to somebody that's dying, that's a Christian, I sometimes will say, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? You know, people say, well, we're going to play a harp and sing. No, there's a lot more that going on than that. I'm going to sit down and talk with some people. I want to talk to the Apostle John. I want to meet Peter. I'd like to talk with David. How big was that giant? I hope the Lord's got the, the Red Sea crossing on videotape. I'd like to see that. But Moses, could you, could you tell me what it's like 40 years trucking through that wilderness, knowing that you're one step closer to the promised land, but you're never going to get there? You know? But he'll smile and say, I'm here now. I'm here now. Well, the everlasting father. He's the mighty God that takes care of the difficulties in life. Nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too hard for him. This seems impossible. We serve a mighty God. How big is your God? Is he able, he's bigger than your problems, I can tell you that. He can help you no matter what you're facing. He wants to help you. That doesn't mean he'll give you everything you want. It doesn't mean everything will turn out the way you think they should. But we have a promise, don't we? All things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that in the book? Isn't that true? He's the mighty God. And then what about the disappointments in life? He's the prince of peace. He's the one that can heal the broken heart. He's the one that can put the pieces back together. He's the prince of peace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Philippians chapter 4 tells us we know we can have peace with God. We can have the peace of God. The peace of God. In everything, be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing, but in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. God, you brought this into my life. I don't know why, but you have a purpose, and it will work out to my good and to your glory. He's the Prince of Peace. There's one more name that we don't want to forget. It was given to both Mary and to Joseph. In Matthew, the angel tells Joseph about Mary, and it says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, there's a chorus we sang when I was a teenager. Things are different now. Since I gave my heart to Jesus, things I loved before don't matter anymore. I've been changed, it must be, since I gave my heart to him. And then there is a name I love to hear. I love to hear it sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. King, same kingdom shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Not know about him, not know the facts, as I reviewed some of them tonight, 
But do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you come to the place in your life where you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior? Now, I know it's Sunday night. Most of you probably are Christians. But, you know, it was a Sunday night when I was 13 years old. I had been going through a time of doubt for almost a year, thinking I needed to make my commitment to Jesus Christ. I wasn't sure if I was saved or not saved. I may have been when I was a kid. I remember memorizing John 3.16 when I was just a very little four years old or so. I grew up in church. I'd always been around it. But it needed to be, he needed to be my Savior, not just the Savior. He needed to be my shepherd, not just the shepherd. And a Sunday night, when I was 13 years old, month of February, I don't remember the message, but the hymn was sung, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. And that's the night I made sure of my salvation. If you're here and you don't know, this could be your night when you know for certain. Now, I don't know how people handle life apart from Jesus Christ. They face the same difficulties we do. But where do they turn? Where do they find comfort? Where do they find that God is still in control? We serve a risen Savior. We serve a Savior whose name is Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Bless the invitation now as it's given in Jesus' name. Amen.